0: Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I faced it all and I stood tall,
1: and did it my way. Dallas estate planning and Dallas elder law attorney Michael Cohen and I, the co host of this great program, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essential Show tirelessly committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. Hello, Michael. How are you?
2: Doing great, Don. How about
1: yourself? I'm doing fine, thank you. Appreciate your time and the ensuing education that the listeners and I are going to realize over the next 30 minutes or so. And we discussed before the program uh, that topic, that concept that our wives and others try to tell us about all the time, which, of course, is the little things that we do in life and for them And the same thing holds true for state planning. It's those little things, devils in the details sometimes, whether it's uh, legislation from the president or the Senate or someone's will. And you want to make sure, typical great attorney that you are, that people realize that those little things really count.
2: Yeah, I thought we'd talk about some just recent cases and how it kind of affects you Uh, Or you might not even think about it because most people don't think about, Mm -hmm. you know, either wills or trust or the little things that you may have in it. But you might find it interesting on some of the decisions and some of the things that happen in real life, uh, but there are problems. And then it may affect your own planning and and whether uh, – so you might want to – I think it might be of interest to a lot of people uh, to know some of these decisions because it may be on your own will or trust or whatever – uh, or other planning that you may have, it may affect your decisions on what you do, or what what you don't do. So the first thing I would thought I'd talk about was on, you know, there are certain things called specific bequest. Now that's usually say, oh, I want this particular item to go to so and so. I want my diamond ring that was grandma's to go to my my granddaughter, or to my child, or to this daughter, or to whomever. All right, so normally, you know, you think that's not a problem. But here was a recent case uh, that was where the executor sold the specific bequest and then just gave an equivalent amount of cash to that person. All right, the person, the, the daughter or sister or whoever you want to call it, Sued the executor, And they said, Look, the person who signed the will said I was to get that thing, and I, that item, and I didn't get it. You breached your fiduciary duty. You're supposed to give that to me. What do you think the court would have done? Well, the court said, You know, you have to look at all the facts mm-hmm. and you have to show whether there was damages. And they had to look at the will to see what it says. Yes, there was a specific request. But was she really damaged? sometimes you have to sell items because oh, things may go up and down, values it could be uh, whether it's precious metals or stocks or whatever uh you know there are certain things that you have to look at it and and so what can what is' a planner what would you do uh whether it's a family home home or heirloom or whatever it may be, you might the 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 attorney needs to specifically say look, I want to make sure that the executor is limited to sell all the other things and pay all the other creditors uh, first before I have this specific, to make sure that this specific bequest goes the way I want it. If you don't do that, the executor might be able to skate and be able to sell because there might not be damages. So they're going to look at the facts and they're going to look at the will before they make a decision. So if you have a specific bequest and you really want to make sure it goes to somebody, then the uh, attorney might want to put something in there to limit the authority of the executor uh, to make sure that that specific bequest uh, follows your wishes. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know what's personal property and real property. Personal property is just, is real property is easy. That's real estate. Uh, personal property is different than is other things like mm-hmm. you, like those heirlooms, or mm-hmm. but it also could include uh, things like stocks or bank accounts. Uh, now, but there's different types of personal property. There's tangible, which is like that we were just talking about the uh, family heirlooms, and then there's intangible, such as bank accounts and stocks. So there's two different types of of personal property. So there was a case recently where he said, I give all of my remaining household and personal property to one person, let's say. Well, it didn't say whether it was uh, stocks or bonds or just the household goods. So if you don't say tangible personal property, mm-hmm. then they're going to get all that stocks and bonds and other uh, cash resources. So they're, they're, you're going to have to be careful when you have a when you say all oh, my personal property because normally people think of their their stuff. They're when they think of personal property. I don't know if most people even think of what's personal property, even heard of the term personal property or not. Uh, in in the estate planning world, is pretty common to say personal property or real property. Real property, of course, being real estate. So uh, so you have to be careful because if you just use the term personal property, then there could be uh, somebody could sue and say uh, contest the will and say, well, that all should be going. Those stocks or bonds or whatever should all go to me because you only said personal property and didn't say it as tangible. Personal property. Another thing was somebody, an attorney made a mistake. I know that uh, uh, they said all my personal property goes to my son. Well, the daughter said, well, that meant all the real estate goes under, since the attorney failed to say about anything else about the real estate, and there was real estate, so the daughter sued the daughter sued and said well that means that the, the since you didn't mention uh, real estate that it goes by laws of intestacy laws of intestacy means without a will and when you don't have a will and let's say then and, and let's say you're not survived by a spouse but you're survived by children then your children generally get things equally well okay so she said hey you didn't mention anything uh, you only mentioned personal property so that means that the real property should go by laws of intestacy, which means I get half the real estate, even though she wasn't mentioned as a beneficiary. Luckily, or maybe not so luckily, <laughs> the <laughs> attorney, uh, for whoever the attorney was, uh, he was bold enough to step forward and say, you know what? I just cut and paste, and I just didn't put the word real property. I screwed up. and uh, uh, And so the courts were the will and said, "No, the intent of the uh, the person who signed the will, the parent, was to go to all to the son.
1: Right. Uh,
2: so, but you still have to be careful. So, uh, that was. I wonder. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he's lucky uh, that uh, he didn't get sued for malpractice. If he would have lost that case, then I think that he would have had liability." Uh, to by the son, but anyway... Oh, well, at least I wonder, case too, case.
1: If, if maybe there are judges sometimes who are tyrants and want to teach attorneys lessons and aren't
2: accommodating and amenable, and
1: they say, sorry, dude, you screwed up, and they punish the attorney and therefore the client anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, they. I think the attorney does have, has to be worried about stuff like that, because if yeah. they, they make a mistake, yeah. well, you know, they made a mistake. I mean, at least he was, um, you know... Humble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he screwed up. I don't know. Yeah. You know, apparently he, he said, yeah, that was the intent was everything to go to the sun. Uh And, you know, so at least he's brave enough to do that. Right. <laughs> it, it shows that, you know, that he wasn't a very, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess we all make mistakes, but yeah. Uh, they didn't look at things very closely. I'll just say that way. And
1: yeah, and, he was honest, uh, but the cut and paste shortcut approach probably wasn't the best idea.
2: No, it wasn't, and this also gets to the you know the concerns that you have for you know if the attorney screws up. I mean, it, gee, and there should should have some knowledge, you would think. Yeah. And what do you do if you're somebody doing your stuff yourself? <laughs> right. You know, but anyway, <laughs> so so I mean, there's. So these different, you know, when you have um, something that's not clear, that's when there's always these different problems, generally, yeah. uh, or uh, if something that seems to be at least construed to be unfair,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then that's when uh, there's the arguments, and a lot of times, uh, it's usually like on will contests, it's usually like uh, either lack of capacity or uh, undue influence so there was a case, which reminds me of a case, where uh, there was a, uh, somebody living with a significant other for decades. His will said, all to my significant other. The siblings, the brothers and sisters, sued. They said, she must have unduly influenced you. But the courts ruled there was not any enough evidence to say that she lived with you. She must have influenced you. Uh, we the brothers and sisters would be the closest living relatives. I guess the parents had died, otherwise it would go to parents if there was no or if, if there was no children um, and so we think that we should get it, but apparently, the court said that the that the siblings were just upset that they weren't included in the will. And they sided with the significant other that there was no undue influence. But you see, people, anybody could sue. It, but usually the reasons that they sue are for either lack of capacity or undue influence. We usually, when there's a question about capacity, then we usually have a doctor uh, who specializes in the mind sign an affidavit examining the person that was signing the will say, swear under oath that simultaneously or very close to the time that they signed the will that they uh, had sufficient mental capacity. Because a lot of times you uh, people might even just have lucid intervals. They may mm-hmm. know who the bounty of their affection is. Mm-hmm. But then there gets to be the question, uh, is there undue influence still? So if, for example, that uh, significant other had been in the room with the person who passed and said you need to give everything to me, and nothing should go to your uh, your greedy uh, sisters. Uh, then uh, that could have been an evidence of undue influence. And so, a lot of times, you will we'll have the uh, if we the loved ones uh, or the ones who are the beneficiaries sometimes not be in the same room. Unless it's like a husband wife, but even then, it could be an issue uh, because the uh, because of the facts that. Um, you know, especially in second marriages, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I I may have told a case that happened uh, last year where we had a husband and wife who were going to do a revocable trust. It was a second marriage. Husband had been married, the first wife, for 50 years or so, but after his wife died, he married somebody who he went to high school with a long, long time ago, or maybe knew a long, long time ago. They had been married just about a year, and he said, and they both had children from a prior uh, marriage. They decided that they wanted everything to go to each other. Uh, that talked about options of how we could protect the assets to make sure that it goes to your children after the first spouse, after uh, at least after the second spouse dies. That you could there's ways to protect. And they said, you know what? No, we trust each other. All goes to each other. We're going to have a revocable trust, and then Mm -hmm. it will go equally to our children. Of course, the the, the husband all of a sudden got really ill, and uh, they didn't have time to fund a trust. And he said, I might die in a matter of a couple weeks. And uh, so we decided, well, you're not going to have time to fund a trust at this point. So uh, they did a will all to each other, and then it goes... Well, at least in his will says uh, it goes equally to the children, his children and hers, just like they had agreed. But then after he died, will was probated, everything went to her. What did she? Do? We said, okay, we're now willing to help you to do what you and your husband agreed to, and that is it goes equally to his children and yours. And he said, well, she had a will that previously said all to her children. Uh, she said, well, I don't see any reason to do a new will now. In other words, it's going to go all to my children he have been married for one year. He had the majority of the assets, so you know, you know, if if she had been in the same room, uh, which wasn't the case here, uh, she was not in the same room, so there wasn't the argument of uh, could you know the argument of undue influence could still be there, but they weren't in the same room when he signed that will, so there's less argument, so uh, so it could be that uh, she is legally entitled to everything, and maybe her kids might be legally entitled to everything. She may be morally corrupt and bankrupt, but the but legally she may have more to stand on and the uh, uh there is always those questions there are ways to protect, but you have to always be worried about things like that if it's something that bothers you you know mm-hmm. so, yeah who knows whatever she, you know it's one of those things that you always have to worry about uh, that there'll always be the questions about undue influence. Uh, and when there's usually it's like when in cases where somebody doesn't get equal share. So let's say that uh, you say I'm going to get more to one child because they're taking care of me at my before before I died. And so I'm going to I feel like they quit work or whatever. And so now they're going to get a higher percentage. And then the other kids say, well, no, it should have been equal. There was undue influence. So that might be something that happens from time to time. Uh, and it's usually when there's an unequal share that people complain, but in any of
1: it. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's interesting because it seems like, based on what you've said so far, that you can toss that phrase around, undue, undue influence all the time, because it's ambiguous. And it would be something that any attorney would try to get a judge to hang his hat on and say, well, there was this, and it was subtle. Never really said anything directly, but indirectly, you could just say, he steals, but you never say from who he just steals ideas versus property, and then that could brainwash um, an individual, and then that, they would be forced to maybe consider changing their wills and their heirs, et cetera. So it sounds like it um, could be very problematic, and that people like you uh, and other estate planning attorneys cannot be too meticulous, too comprehensive, or you can't be too efficient when it comes to preparing these estate plans.
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to be. You know, it's the devil's in the details a lot of times. Yeah. because here, we said about just little bitty things yeah. that, you know, you, you know, is, is a, you know, if you're out there, and of course, you're not going to be. Somebody's not going to. If they're not an attorney, they're not going to be thinking about these type of things. Right. They just think of a will as a will or a trust as a trust, mm-hmm. and they don't. They're not going to think about. But these little bitty things where it could be just a, uh could create a problem. Uh, Remember years ago, we talked about the person where uh, they said all to spouse and then equally to the children, and one of the children thought that that wasn't fair, and they contested the will. So then that gets into the contest provisions, the will contest Mm -hmm. provisions that we often put in wills or trusts. Uh, And that's what my
1: father has, too. If if you contest it and you get nothing, and I think that's that's in a lot of estate plans you have taught us and, and told us over the years. You've also taught us and told us that... To ensure that your estate plan is ironclad or that you're receiving the right government assistance, whatever that's, Social Security, Veterans Benefits, you name it, that they should attend a workshop of yours so they can ask a specific question about their individual circumstances. And um, the next workshop is no exception. Uh, It's open to the general public, and that is on Tuesday, May the 11th at one o'clock. It's a free workshop. It's online, meaning it's virtual Zoom workshop. You don't drive anywhere or fly anywhere. You just get on your laptop or desktop or cell phone, for that matter, and you can um, click a couple things, and there you are, Michael's next workshop, again, which is Tuesday, May the 11th. Michael, tell us about that Estate Planning Essentials workshop, please.
2: Now, we ask people what they want to know. It's two hours, just like you said, for free. Mm -hmm. Just whatever questions that you might want to ask. It could be, and today we've been talking about some of the issues regarding wills, but it could be about trust. It could be about Medicaid. It could be about veterans benefits, like you said. Uh, This last workshop we had uh, uh, at the end of April uh, was uh, most of the questions, surprisingly, were not necessarily surprisingly, but a lot of times they'll be about Medicaid, long-term care, whether somebody's in a nursing home. Uh, So, and how do you get the government to help pay for that care cost? So I know that that hasn't been what we've discussed today, but you never know what the questions are going to be. Right. It could be about, you know, uh, the most recent, you know, Biden proposals. We don't know what's going to eventually happen. Uh, it, it, it could so it could be somebody might ask about capital gains taxes or state taxes or 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 income taxes with IRAs or or uh, who knows what corporate income tax, I don't think we've ever had questions on that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there'll be questions maybe about, uh, it could be about tax issues, it could be about state tax issues, but most of the people ask about simpler stuff, about wills or versus trust or powers of attorney, or about Medicaid, how do we pay for long-term care, people are living longer, and so how do we protect our assets, to get governmental assistance? So we never really know. So the questions that we've had that we've kind of talked about here today, uh, so far, by the way, I've never had anybody ask about any of these questions about these cases that uh, we've talked about. But I just thought they were interesting. State planning attorney, I, mm-hmm. and elder law attorney, I thought it was interesting. But, but I don't know that I've ever had any questions like that. And we've been doing these workshops for eight years, and we always ask people what they want to know. So anyway, all you have to do to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, whether it's about estate planning or elder law, is to call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com.
1: Great. This is an estate planning essentials program, and Michael is addressing estate planning itty-bitty essentials uh, this afternoon um, during this program or this morning, depending upon when you're listening to the show. And, Michael, we've got about five minutes left. Are there a few more things that people should be aware of?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm going to talk about um, one thing that has been caused a lot of controversy recently is typically when you put your home in a revocable trust, in the past, it could be what you have to have some language, like a revocable trust is a trust that you could always revoke or amend. Mm-hmm. In, in the past, uh, there was never any issue. Uh, you still had your credit protection, etc. if you put some language in the revocable trust. And this is why that if you move from state to state, you probably ought to have your trust reviewed. In Texas, you have to say it's a qualifying trust. In other words, you're still in control. You're able to live there rent-free without charge. Well, there was a court case in the Western District of Texas where uh, they said, if you don't say at other cost, then you lost letter protection. Mm-hmm. And that was appealed. And um, so we had to, uh, in the meantime, what we did was once they started that, uh, when they had that erroneous decision, uh, we had to use the words and other cost, even though we didn't have any clients personally affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we added the words and other cost so that there would be no – uh Worry about losing credit protection. You know, a mm-hmm. homestead has credit protection. So, um, uh, anyway, the court on appeal decided that whether you say add, they couldn't determine whether rent free and without charge, what the difference is between that and then other costs. Uh, so, but as a precaution, we had to add the words and other costs in the meantime. Still do that just to be on the safe side, but, uh, you know, it's kind of strange that. Uh, that you would have to add that language. You thought it was an erroneous decision from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But this kind of goes to show you, too, when there's these court decisions, we have to review people's documents. That's why we actually even have maintenance plans for a lot of clients where, uh, so that we do things without charge after we've done their documents if they're part of the maintenance program. So people, after they had, um, if they had their home in a trust, we change the trust to reflect the, even though it was an erroneous decision, to protect that homestead from the lawsuits uh, because of the that decision. Now, as it turned out, we didn't need to, but you never know. And just like what we have, you know, with the SECURE Act, uh, we think in last week's show, we talked about uh, the IRS ruling about how there might be required minimum distributions uh, on the, even on inherited IRAs, even though the law had remove the stretch. I know that gets kind of technical. We think that the IRS is wrong on that. We think that it's going to be uh, anytime within 11 years, 10 years following the year of death, if they're a designated beneficiary. I know this is getting kind of technical. The bottom line is laws change, even the interpretation, whether it be the IRS or the courts or Texas law, in the legislative session right now, that things change all the time. And so to think that You know, your will from 20 years ago is still good or that things haven't changed, that there's no privacy laws that have changed, that the estate tax laws haven't changed, that laws when there's a new administration won't change, would be uh, probably erroneous, not to mention your own health issues or aging. People may have had children when they were young, and now those people are adults. Uh, People should uh, have checkups more often than they probably realize.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. Not only is it erroneous, it's maybe reckless and dangerous um, because there's a lot of money at stake and a lot of friendships and relationships that could be at stake when there's ambiguities. And so you can't be efficient, too efficient when you are doing estate planning. And, uh, and I could just see you in that courtroom, Michael, I, I don't think you're in this situation, but an attorney with the judge saying, oh, uh, well, I don't see end all costs in, in this estate plan, Mr. Blank, Mr. Jones. Uh, and that's, not my fault and not my problem. And, and then what's the attorney going to do if you get a judge like that who's not as understanding? You don't need that. No one needs that, especially when it comes to trying to determine exactly what the deceased wanted in their will and their plan and their trust. So get it worked out in advance. Make sure the estate plan is as ironclad as possible. Have Michael Cohen do it, in, in my opinion, because he's very meticulous. And he's been doing this for decades, and the best way to ensure uh, that he is able to look at your your plan is to attend his next workshop. That really is the first step, and that's online, via Zoom, a couple clicks, and you're there. best way to do that is dial 214 720 214 720 to call his office and get signed up for the free State Planning Essentials workshop on Tuesday, May the 11th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. We really appreciate the education today, Michael, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you,
2: Don.